Okay, I will definitely say I didn't see some of those uh, scores coming out of this week, JB. This was an interesting week for sure, but Around the Nation is giving kind of a play to this idea that we've learned a lot about what we didn't know and uh, maybe we're wrong about a lot of things along the way. I'm not so sure we're there yet. I I think this is week one every year and we could probably have the same discussion every year. What do you think? Well, I think in week one, you know, we, we base a lot on what happens in the year before and how teams play before and their records. And then all of a sudden they don't win in week one. And we're like, oh, well, are they not as good as they used to be? Or it's hard to say. Um, a lot of turnovers, a lot of penalties, a lot of mistakes in week one, too. So I don't necessarily think the jury's out on some of the teams that lost, but I also don't think that the teams that won – are necessarily as good as maybe they think they are yet. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I make the argument that you'll see more teams win by 70 uh, and should, and more teams win by only seven that should win by 30 than you should see. And they'll start to normalize by week three. Uh, this is why yeah. you don't play high-quality matchups in week one, as far as I'm concerned, because it's tough enough playing week one, getting your rhythm back and everything else. You're playing garbage football, I think, if you're playing great teams in uh, game one. Florida and Miami, I think, were great uh, examples of that this year. Florida State-Miami back when used to be the same thing. Florida State-Miami is a huge rivalry. They put it into Labor Day. It was horrible, horrible football when they did that. So, And that's Division One. Imagine what we're going to see in Division Three in the same respect. So nobody gets free passes for their losses, but – they can be forgotten about because now you know, hey, you got to win your conference if you lost on Saturday. And even if you lost the game on Saturday, technically 8-2 and two could get you in, but you're not going to think that way in the East. Brockport, you got to win the Empire right now. Montclair, you got to win the NJAC now. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, there was uh, – the Montclair loss to Southern Virginia to me was actually the biggest surprise of the weekend because I, I really was believing in Montclair as the 10-0 – and Jack Champ plus, you know, but now uh, Jaquil Birch and company, a lot of turnovers. They've got a lot of work to do. Certainly do. Uh, Wesley uh, comes out smelling like roses uh, after the, uh, that game. But we're going to learn a lot about what all that meant because Wesley's got to play Del Val. By the way, who, who is it? Curry's got to play Franklin Pierce next, uh, I think, this coming weekend. So there's a common opponent scenario. So we're going to see just how – good or bad Franklin Pierce really was uh, in the Division II sense yeah, as well. That's that's true. I mean, Curry started off, they played Stevenson tough for a quarter or so, and then the ball got rolling in, in the other direction. But honestly, Frank, it was interesting because some of the, the not-so-power conferences of the East actually performed better than some of the power conferences, and we'll talk about that a little more in this episode. So here's what's coming up in this episode. We're going to go uh, to our crunch time segment to start, which is complete review. We're going to touch them all, and that's a lot of games. Uh, almost, what, about 40 or so, I want to 40, say? Uh, give or take. Yeah, about 40, 38 or 39, something like that, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to touch them all very quickly with some video highlights uh, from each conference, actually. We're going to get some video highlights to you. Uh, then we're going to slow it down a little bit, look at the entire win-loss situation and the schedule for the following week. And as we do that... We're going to bring you coach interviews in this episode. The, the next episode, which will be released on Wednesday, if you're watching chronologically with us here, 
will be player interviews that we did throughout the weekend and with Jason Bowen as well, contributing to us uh, or for us. Uh, he got some WPI interviews. And Another some, JB. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and Wesley interviews as well. So uh, we've got a panoply of interviews, I guess is the right word for it. And uh, we would be remiss uh, at this point. Uh, our friends at Otterbein, uh, unfortunately, had to go through some very yeah. tough news. And uh, we try to cover this as best as we can. But as you can see on the screen, Nigel Chapman, uh, who's only, I guess, about 21 years old, give or take. Uh, not sure his exact birth date, but 1998 to 2019. Passed away Friday. Uh, I believe a car accident was the uh, cause of death. And uh, very sad save of fears there that we lose a D3 player. We've seen some D3 alumni uh, pass uh, over the uh, months, but uh, here's a, an example of a current player that uh, way too early, uh, as always we say, and uh, we, we uh, send our condolences out to our friends at Otterbein. Okay, as Otterbein uh, proved to us this weekend, football does go on uh, despite the losses. So let's get on ourselves. Uh, and it is time for crunch time for the week of September. I, well, I should say the weekend of uh, because it was multiple days. September 5th, 6th, and 7th, 2019. Yeah. First game was a game that I really uh, thought was going to be a good one. And it was. It, in fact, the score doesn't really represent it. 55-27, Endicott over Framingham State. Framingham State tried to come back in this game, but the Rams could not do it. Uh, Koloski with five touchdowns passing, five turnovers, though, by Framingham State. That really did them in in that game. Certainly did. I think the Rams' offensive line needs a little work, and hopefully they'll get there. I mean, they can still win the MASCAC, but Endicott looked real good in their first game. Pinch and saw goes back to Western New England. Home teams have been ruling the roost on this game lately. 33-17, 351 total yards for Alec Coleman, a former guest of In the Huddle. Two touchdowns for him and just 78 rushing yards from the quarterbacks of Springfield. That's not good in the triple option, obviously. Anna Maria falls to Becker, 33-19. Hey, Becker, congratulations on that win. But uh, our friend uh, Coach Mulroney uh, with a loss to start the season. They'll have to face Union soon. We'll talk later about that. Uh, outrushed the Amcats 292-44, to and also Nichols 37-12. Kind of surprised by that score. 23 unanswered by the Bison in the third. Uh, tell me something about one of those games, though, as well. Well, I think Nichols was the one thing that stood out to me, especially the, the amount of points that they won by. Um, I think the Bison is an underrated team, kind of flying under the radar on the CCC. We'll see if they can you know, push themselves into the, the conference championship conversation soon. We should know that we're going in these slates uh, with all these uh, inter-conference inter games with the winning team uh, of that conference, or uh, we'll, we'll put it on that slate, or if it's an out-of-region game, it'll go there either way, win or loss. So that's how this separation yeah. is going to occur for those wondering. That's why the ECFC only has one team or one game listed. That's Maine Maritime losing to SUNY Maritime, 24-21 to 21 now. With a minute 18 left, I think it was, uh, SUNY Maritime gets the ball back down 21 to 14, scores to tie the game, and wins it in overtime with the field goal. Excuse me, as time expires with a field goal in, in this game, yeah. 24 to 21. 
Uh, they trailed by 14 with 7.46 to go. What a comeback. And Coach Rearing, our uh, guest last week, should be proud of his guys. Hey, give it up to Joseph Gallardi, not Gagliardi. He, he <laughs> made, not only did he kick the game-winning field goal, but very important extra point after they tied the game with about one minute and so left. I mean, give it to the, give it up to the kickers. He's my special teams player of the week, Frank. We may talk about that a little bit later, but a big-time win for Mickey Rearing and the Privateers. The MASCAC had some interesting results, uh, and first we're going to go with WestCon 12, William Patterson 9. Uh, I believe that was an overtime game, uh, if I remember, yeah. remember correctly, and it does it say was. so. Uh, three interceptions by David James were overcome uh, as he went for 160 yards passing in a 25-yard game-winning touchdown to Will Daniels. Uh, you know, give William Patterson some credit here because they – are kind of the perennial doormat, it seems like, of the NJAC, yet they almost beat WestCon, who is a team that was one I'm watching, at least, from the MASCAC. So this is an interesting result, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the, the it was 6-6 six six at the end of regulation. Uh, field goal for, the, uh, for Willie P in the first possession, and ultimately the Colonials held out with the touchdown there at the end. Kind of a surprise because we think we thought a little more of the Colonials and their offensive power, but hey, it's a, win a win's a win, and uh, they're moving on. Amen to that. Also, Plymouth State 23, Castleton 17, closer than I thought that one uh, would be. 18 for 146, David Hamilton was uh, on the ground, two touchdowns, including the game winner with 646 left, and Mass Dartmouth 54, Alfred State 7. Let's move on to the new Mac, and we have five scores to look at here. Uh, Carnegie Mellon 24, MIT 7 in the Battle of the Brains, as I called it. And it was tied 7-7 seven yeah. seven at halftime, but uh, Carnegie Mellon's defense forced two MIT turnovers in the third, and that led to 10 points, and there was no looking back at that point. Bubna can't be thrilled with that result. No, and I think especially given the fact that the Tartans have been sort of a mid-level pack team these last couple seasons, it's a, it's a bit of a, a reality check for MIT. They're going to need to regroup and get back into it because the new Mac race is still wide open, but this is definitely a setback for them. Kenyon, uh, how many straight losses did they have before this game against Catholic? 26 or something like that? Something. Incredible. It's, it, it's a long line. <laughs> 32-31, they went for two in the second overtime, as I think you should, honestly, if you're on the road and you know what's yeah, coming up in the third well. overtime. You might as well, especially when you got nothing to lose, and they didn't lose. They won it 32-31. Norwich over Salve Regina. I'll give you credit for this one, my friend, because you called them out last week. Norwich as uh, one of the sleepers, you thought. 22-19, a missed field goal with time expiring by Salve Regina secured the win for Norwich, and both quarterbacks had over 40 pass attempts. That game had to take about 14 hours to play, if that's the case. <laughs> Coast Guard 27, University of New England 17, seven sacks for the Coast Guard defense, and WPI 51, Worcester State 0. The Lancers couldn't find their lances, apparently, in that game as WPI no. gained some 460 the 147. Uh, Coach Seerop had to be happy about that. We'll hear from him later. But that Norwich game, let's go back to it for half a second. What'd you think? Uh, put this into your brain for this season. There's a kid named Matt Dunn. He can throw the football really well. And for those that think that the new Mac is either the 
you know, WPI or maybe Springfield or MITs to win, well, guess what? The cadets are coming and they've got a great aerial offense and Matt Dunn is leading the way. Well, don't forget about Merchant Marine, who wasn't in that slide for a reason, but, you know, there's something to talk about there, too, coming up later. True. Uh, well, number 13, Brockport, didn't have a good day. Let's just put it that way. Hobart wins the game 33-7 to as the defense forces five interceptions. Ryan Hoffman with four passing touchdowns on the, uh, on the afternoon. Two to senior wide receiver Jake Cataliato. Close enough? Cataliato, hey, come on, man. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the, the Hobart game was a little crazy because it, there was a lot of there was a lot of defensive play, not a lot of offense. So the so the Hobart offense benefited from some of the short fields. They couldn't really run the ball that well, but Hoffman made some pass plays when he needed to. Especially there was one 58 yard bomb to Cataliato, which really put the game away. And uh, apparently Hobart's back. Your At least sleeper, for now. By the way. Yes, uh, it was my sleeper. They'll play Morrisville State coming up soon. That should be an interesting game coming up. Allegheny only uh, trailed in yardage by about 100 yards to RPI, but because five turnovers occurred, they lost to RPI, number 19 in the country, 52-14. to 14. Union, 42, Westfield State, 7. Well, more about the record in a little bit, actually. But uh, Union with a big win there. Ithaca 66, St. Vincent 28. If your name was German Ario, you had a good weekend. Let's just put it that way at this point. As Joe went 27 for 37 for 303, six touchdowns, three to Will Gladney. Yeah, and Case Western takes care of Rochester 37 to 6 as Colt Morgan, the wide receiver for Case Western Reserve, went nine catches for 146 yards and three touchdowns. But the German Ario, German Ario Liberty League uh, stint here. Uh, John in the backup role, Joe Joe in the Ithaca first uh, team role, had an interesting weekend to say the least. Definitely did. Empire 8, where uh, we used to uh, talk about Joe uh, back in the old days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Utica, I, I got out to this game, Utica 40-14 to over St. Lawrence. Uh, Elijah Bell with two big interceptions in consecutive uh, possessions in the first half. Uh, one being a pick six. You'll see this one uh, as well uh, playing out on video. And then this touchdown to our uh, favorite dude, Peyton Miller, sealed the deal for Utica as Logan Wilcox had 203 yards, two touchdowns, and as we said, Elijah Bell, two interceptions in the game. Uh, St. John Fisher, 23, Buffalo State, six, as Fisher seemed to really dominate in this game uh, more than I would have thought they would have. Three interceptions, three sacks. The defense definitely showed up for them. Morrisville State 39, Bridgewater State 7, uh, as the Morrisville uh, State offense capitalized on three turnovers. Uh, their defense held BSU, as we call them, Bridgewater State University, to only 68 rush yards. Alfred 42, have a coattail, zero. Uh, you know, that commercial is uh, proving to be true. Hopefully everybody's staying for the end of that game. You notice a theme here, Frank, that there's a lot of games where a certain team commits anywhere from three to five or six turnovers that's week one for you i think it, i don't think we're going to see that for the rest of the season we might see a couple of those blow-ups in week one and week two teams are going to clean that up in these lopsided scores of where we think it's supposed to be close but it ends up not being so i think that's going to change Cortland 63 fitchburg state zero uh that would tell us a little bit more uh, right there about possibly what to expect uh that that 
shouldn't have been that lopsided of a game on any other day, probably. But uh, Cortland definitely going to get some attention for a score like that. But uh, yep. look, Utica, I don't think is a team that's going to be beating every opponent by 26 to 30 points. They, they'll play closer games throughout the season. Uh, Buffalo State's a team that probably should have shown up better than that. So again, you're right that things are a little deceiving, I think, on this slate, especially we'll see how it proves out later. We have 10 scores from the MAC to go through. So let's start with some video from Del Val Kane on Friday, 37 to seven. I was at that game, uh, Delaware Valley out uh, game Kane, 452 to 126. We'll have interviews from this game as well, but uh, you can see some great play here by Delaware Valley to take care of this game. But we should talk about our guest from last week, uh, James Gillespie, 13 catches, 158 yards and three touchdowns. So we said what a great guy he seemed like and a, an intense football player we thought he would be. And now back from injury, he is indeed 38, 28. Widener seniors beat Rowan for the first time. In fact, it's the first win since 2014 by Widener. FDU Florham, 56. Merchant Marine, 48 with nearly 1,300 yards. We were just uh, talking about the idea of Merchant Marine still being in, in the equation of the new Mac with 454 rushing yards. But Anthony Caserta, uh, Jagger Green's heir apparent, apparently, 522 seven touchdowns incredible numbers across the board in that game a lot of a lot of offensive fireworks in the mac i think this weekend um some lopsided scores but some closer games too that uh you know i think the merchant marine hung in there but at the end of the day if if fdu forum can keep putting up there with the receiving core they're going to be a tough team to beat in the mac Indeed, Susquehanna beats Lycoming 42 to 26 as uh, 542 yards gained by Susquehanna in that game. Franklin and Marshall 35, Lebanon Valley 20, a uh, combination of five interceptions, 10 punts and 10 penalties uh, by these teams. Not the clean game you'd hope for in week one. Kings uh, 23, Moravian 20. Uh, we have two one play drives for Kings that basically helped them win that game. And uh, go ahead, you're, you're about to say something I think. No, sometimes ugly foot, you know, it doesn't have to be pretty, but you can you can win ugly. And that's one of those games where for Kings the, and the Monarchs, it, it, that's a win's a win. They're one and no. So, hey, that's how it goes. McDaniel on our next slate here, 24, Misericordia 14. We talked about Misericordia struggles in the Ithaca scrimmage. It seems to be yeah. maybe a little bit re, uh, realistic to think that they're going to have a little bit of trouble this uh, year. We'll see what happens as uh, they were held to three for 12 on third down in that game. Wilkes 38, Hartwick 21. Uh, Wilkes, uh, you know, look, the teams combined for 850 yards of offense, but only 59 uh, points to show for. You would think that you get more points than that when you almost get to the 850-900 uh, range. So uh, maybe had to clean up a little bit of slop there with the turnovers in that game. Alvernia 20, Gallaudet 14 on Friday night. With two lead changes in the final 121 of that game. That, for two straight years, has been a real barn burner of a game. And Stevenson, 34, Curry, 0. Uh, kind of the Stevenson team we expected to see, although we thought Curry would put up more of a fight in that game. They did not, as it was 34-0. And Jack, last but not least here, 
you talked about it earlier, Southern Virginia 34, Montclair State 21. So Southern Virginia starts 1-0 in the NJAC, except for the fact they're no longer in the NJAC, they're in the ODAC. And so uh, it's an interesting result on a multitude of platforms here, but Montclair State now playing from behind for the rest of the season, it looks like in that packed NJAC race. And Southern Virginia with a statement win, we'll see where it goes from there for those two teams. Number eight, Muhlenberg 45, TCNJ 26 was there for that game. I feel like I've said that a few times. Uh, so uh, Muhlenberg with five touchdowns from Michael Nikowski, uh, 286 yards. He, uh, tie, he tied the school record with five passing touchdowns. North Central coming from the uh, N, from the CCIW, excuse me, uh, to beat Christopher Newport 43-13, although Christopher Newport tried to make it interesting early. Wesley 69, yep. D2, Franklin Pierce 0 as the two quarterbacks, uh, Morocco, is it Morocco, I think, and Mullen. Uh, 121 yep. for 26, 247, four touchdowns. And Salisbury, 63, Albright, 28. Uh, Albright's defense got to show up better than that when they play Mary Harden Baylor next weekend. We'll talk more about that game later in the week, actually. But Jack Nowitzki's back with three passing touchdowns for the Gulls. And let's go finally to your uh, Players of the Week superlatives here. The stat teams <laughs> go to the offense, uh, or offensive stat chance go to FDU. Quarterback Anthony Caserta, that 522 yards and seven touchdowns versus Merchant Marine. Defensively, Lebanon Valley inside linebacker Tyler Lutz with 16 tackles and the Cortland team holding Fitchburg to 31 total yards. Special teams, SUNY Maritime plays kicker Joseph Gallardi hits his 43-yard uh, game-winning field goal in head coach Mickey Rearing's debut. Surprise of the weekend was Hobart, five interceptions holding uh, Brockport to seven points. Most disappointing, Montclair State just talked about. Loss to Southern Virginia with those multiple turnovers and special teams errors. And the random stat, Union's perfect dual QB situation on an NCAA Division III record-setting day. 22 consecutive completions from two separate quarterbacks on the same team. And my car rental odometer went to 600 miles over when I started my weekend. And therefore, we have our crunch time of week one. The one oh, stat I missed was the fact that apparently there was a defensive player from Del Val, uh, which it's not is it is it Nobile or Nobile? Nobile. Six and a half tackles for loss in that game against Kane, which four and a half at halftime. Four and a half at halftime he had. Yeah, I know it got mentioned on ATN, so we don't need to belabor it here, but that's probably I mean if you know trying to differentiate our picks a little bit. But uh, that's definitely up there, and I'm sure Nobile no 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 will be a big factor in the upcoming game against Wesley, which is probably the game of the week for the East region uh, this Saturday. So we're going to have an interview with Michael Nobile, actually, on our next show. Uh, and uh, one thing I will, I will state on this show, maybe to separate it from that, is that for the first time, in my history of uh, doing these interviews at the sites, Michael decided he needed to look right for it. And so before I hit record, he we, we face the screen toward us uh, so that we can see ourselves when I do these interviews. And he got in there, he's like fixing his hair. It's <laughs> like, Mike, you just play a game of football. You don't have to really worry about it. It's like, yeah, gotta look good, gotta look good. I was like, that was, I wish I had that recorded, to be honest with you. That was perfect. That so, would have been 
number one in the blooper reel for sure. <laughs> well, not beyond stuff we do. I'll tell you that much. So, JB, um, let's look at the different conferences right now. We're going to start actually with the ECFC um, with the six teams in there and move along to look at what's happened, what's coming up, and uh, have a few interviews to intersperse throughout this. Uh, SUNY Maritime, the only team that won the uh, in the ECFC on Saturday. Again, it does not bode well for a conference when one out of six teams wins a game. And it's not going to get much easier. As Union's going to be at Anna Maria, SUNY Maritime might be able to go 2-0 against Mass Maritime. We'll see what happens there. Castleton-Fitchburg State could be an interesting game. Hartwick at Alfred State. you got to think the scoreboard light's going to get tested on that game. And Dean at Western Connecticut. Westcon's probably going to be salivating to try again here with a better result than a uh, you know tie game at the end of regulation against William Patterson. So this does not get any easier for the ECFC. Mickey Rearing and Company, though, look like they are cut above right now slightly. I'm not not by much, but slightly. But look, they're all 0-0 in the conference, and they're going to be that way for a while because I don't believe they begin conference play until about week four in this uh, conference. I think it's actually even later than that, Frank. I think the first conference game is actually October 12th, which is week six. Maybe, yeah. So it's going to be a while till we figure things out. I mean, the ECFCs it's such a diverse, widespread of uh, both geographic locations and schools. A lot of stuff going on, some some newer coaches, some newer programs in Division Three. So we'll keep an eye on it. But right now they're they're kind of you know they're they're at the back of the line and and they'll work their way up. I drove by the exit for Keystone, uh, which is going to be the newest member of the ECFC uh, when I was driving to Pennsylvania. Uh, let me just tell you something. They there must have been a certain sense of desperation to get another team into that conference because this is not an easily accessible school in the state of Pennsylvania. And, I mean, when you throw in the fact that Gallaudet's in the D.C. area and you have them there and you have Castleton where they are and, you know, the rest of the uh, crew, Dean, etc., uh, this is like all over the Northeast and then some now, and Mid-Atlantic as well. So this is going to be an interesting conference to navigate if you're a football uh, member for a while. Uh, the, you know, I, I, I look, I know they needed seven teams, but at the same yep. time, I wonder how long this marriage of convenience will last for ultimately for these schools that have lower budgets. That's just a little side note. We'll see where it goes from here. CCC, yep. Endicott, congratulations on a big win against Framingham State uh, in Western New England as well. It looks like the cream is rising to the top uh, that we sort of expected, although Salve Regina losing... Uh, to Norwich uh, was a head scratcher of sorts. Uh, Nichols uh, being uh, you know in a position here at one and zero, and Becker at one and zero. I'm not sure how real that is at the end of the day. We'll see. But Endicott and Western New England teams that you expected to be there are there right now. Uh, Endicott will be playing Rochester at home uh, Saturday at noon. Rochester didn't show much of a fight against uh, Case Western Reserve, so. I wouldn't be surprised they do it again there. Uh, West New England on Friday night against Westfield State. That could be an interesting game. I think Westfield State uh, showed us who they kind of were against Union on Saturday. So Western New England doesn't put up a good showing against them. I start scratching my head a little bit about where the balance of power is in these different conferences. But 
you know, Westfield State playing at home on a Friday night, it's going to be a big crowd game probably with a lot of pride on the line, good weather. Uh, they could put up a fight and maybe mess up things a little bit for Western New England. We'll see what happens. I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, my biggest takeaway from this weekend is it does seem like the CCC as a whole has sort of moved itself to the top of the New England discussion. I mean, with all due respect to the NESCAC, who's actually going to play some football games this weekend, which is great. Um, As far as teams that can qualify for the NCAA tournament, the, the CCC seems to have kind of taken the lead. The NASCAC sort of dropped off a little bit, and uh, it's interesting to see how uh, teams like Endicott and Western New England are really just kind of running with it. Let's not forget Husson coming up for their first game uh, against Mass Dartmouth this weekend. They'll have something to say about it as well. Yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard some rumblings on social media about why aren't the Corsairs getting a little more love? I mean, yeah, it's great that you threw, whatever, six touchdowns against uh, Alfred State. But let's see, if you can beat Hudson, then we'll talk about you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's James Baker that said that, folks. James Baker. Okay, just uh, let's, go to, let's go to New Mac uh, 3 and 5 uh, on the weekend, which surprised me a little bit, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. yeah uh, WPI Coast Guard Norwich survived there. Springfield Merchant Marine and MIT with losses. That's that's where things really get surprising to you when you really yeah. think about it. Okay, Catholic against they should have lost to Canyon really, but they did. And Maine Maritime, uh, look, it was a great game against SUNY Maritime. Yeah. They should should have won it by all means. So when you look at what's coming up here, Transit Trophy game, that's a big game. This could actually be a really good game uh, for a ranked RPI team going into WPI. So we'll see yeah, what happens. I know the national focus will probably be Del Val versus Wesley for, for obvious reasons, but as far as the East region goes and how our basically what's going to be our eight team pod of the playoffs, there's this game already in the second week of the season is going to have huge ramifications on who's in and who's out nationally in nine weeks from now. If RPI wins, it's sort of, you know, status quo, but if WPI wins, Things could get interesting, especially if they lose later on or RPI wins later on. This game will have ripple effects based on the Liberty League tiebreakers and potentially the new Mac tiebreakers too, depending on how these conferences shake out. Well said. Actually, I agree with you completely. You weren't selling me initially, but as you developed that, I agree with you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jim Moore, ladies and gentlemen, uh, joining us. Uh, Springfield, uh, though, at 0-1. Um, and the question is, we saw Kane uh, first person, at least I did, on Friday night. Kane, they were okay. Del Val was just a cut above them. So this is going to be an interesting game, I think, if Springfield can't bounce back uh, offensively with their quarterback play especially. Kane could actually have a chance to win this game. I, I don't know which way to go with it. I would I'd probably go with the home team here and stick with that. But Kane would not shock me if they won this game. And so, you know, Coach Sarazulo's got to be careful here. It's start 0 2 is something I don't think he's ever had happen as head coach in his uh, years. So we'll see where it goes. Mascac. And uh, kind of a full house here of sorts Plymouth State, Western Connecticut, and Mass Dartmouth are the uh, three teams. Hey, there's the Corsairs you were just talking about, correct? And so 
yeah. Mass Maritime yet to play. Framingham State being 0-1 and Bridgewater State being 0-1. A little bit surprising. Uh, Worcester State, we're not that surprised about. We thought WPI would win that game. But to see Framingham State already 0-1, that's a little bit of a topsy-turvy scenario in this conference for us already. Well, the Bridgewater State loss to me was actually really surprising, given the fact that it was to SUNY Morrisville, and they didn't even—they not only lost, but they lost by 32. Uh, and and SUNY Morrisville is a good program, but they were basically like a 500, six and five team last year, and Bridgewater was potentially supposed to be the MASCAC champion. So, if both Framingham State and them lose in their first game by 20 plus points, like. Not a good look for the MASCAC early on. Hopefully they can learn from their mistakes, pick themselves up, and, and go, go from there. Well, Bridgewater State plays St. John Fisher at Fisher this Saturday at noontime. <laughs> Not going to get any easier. We talked about the Huston nope. Mass Dartmouth game coming up. And Dean at Western Connecticut, at 6 o'clock Saturday game, that's always a tough game for teams to come into play at Western Connecticut. They have a lot of these Saturday evening games. And here's one of them. I, I think that's just going to be a tough one for Dean to really have a good performance in. We'll see what happens. I remember Union playing there one time uh, in that time slot, and we had thunderstorms basically interrupt the game, and Union lost badly in that game. Don't forget Framingham at Brockport, which is now all of a sudden a must-win game for both of those teams. I mean, a rematch from the first round of the NCAA playoffs from last year. Neither one of those teams can really afford to start the season 0-2. Move to the Liberty League RPI, Ithaca Union, Hobart. Four and three was the uh, conference. Those were the winners. Uh, kind of uh, the old days uh, playing out here. RPI, Union, and Hobart. Ithaca uh, is a new team to the mix. So uh, maybe the uh, three-headed monster with uh, an extra head uh, starting to play out here. We'll see. As, <laughs> extra uh, hydra, yes. Yeah, the Eric uh, Ren would love that uh, reference right there, our former co-host. <laughs> uh, Buffalo State at Utica will be an interesting game uh, to see play out, see if Buffalo State can bounce back. Uh, Union at Anna Maria, I uh, you got to give Union the uh, edge on that one by all means after what happened on Saturday in both directions there. Hobart at yeah. Morrisville State, I think it's a question of just how good Hobart looks. It, will they look just as good two straight weeks? Will they get that defense to purr like it was on Saturday? And then RPI, WPI, not to belabor the transit trophy game, in case you didn't hear about five minutes ago, us talking about that. So the Liberty League looks pretty strong, but so does the Empire 8 at 5-2 and two on the weekend. St. John Fisher, Cortland, Morrisville State, Alfred, and Utica with the wins. You brought up the Framingham State-Brockport scenario coming up. Just talked about the Utica game and Bridgewater State-St. Uh, John Fisher. Cortland at TCNJ. Cortland will win this game. The question is, by how much will they look as good as they did against Fitchburg State on Saturday? I, I just don't think it's going to be a 60-point win, maybe like a 30-point win. TCNJ played a headstrong game against Muhlenberg, tried to come back with some late touchdowns and you know made it look respectable, but they weren't really purring at all in the first three quarters of that game against Muhlenberg. Well, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see because Fitchburg might not be a very good team and maybe Cortland is a great team or maybe they're an okay team. But with Brett Sagala at, at the helm of that offense and the, the players that the Dragons have, they can put up a lot of points. And so I'm actually expecting like a 40-plus point win here, but we'll see. 
George Fox at Alfred uh, is a West Coast, East Coast special. We have three of those games coming up. Yeah, that'll be a good one. And so uh, we'll uh, be tuning in for those uh, cross-country uh, games uh, coming up throughout. We'll point out a couple more in a moment. Uh, the NJAC. What in God's name am I looking at here? Two and six? Frostburg, where did you go? <laughs> we need you back. <laughs> they almost beat. They almost beat what is like West Virginia something. I mean, like literally a team that was picked to like be a potential playoff or a third place, second place team in D two, and that's and they they hung in there and first game. So congrats to Coach Fitz and company. I mean, you didn't get blown out, which I mean, we saw what happened with Franklin Pierce and some of these other things for these new you know new D two programs. So. I mean, they're they're already making making plays, um, but yeah, the NJAC had a rough weekend, but they also played a pretty much above their weight class in a lot of ways. Did it surprise you that we almost beat them, JB? <laughs> Not exactly. Not really bad, Delaney Fitzgerald. Uh, Wesley, though, at one and Salisbury at one and Well, <laughs> we got a few weeks before they show off uh, against each other. Montclair State. Rowan, uh, Christopher Newport, teams that should be showing up as well in the top of the uh, leaderboard as the season progresses yeah. already at 0-1. We'll see where that goes. Linfield at Rowan. A little bit of luster taken off that game because of Widener's win against Rowan. But, hey, Linfield, I believe, did not play this week. So this is game one for them. So Rowan's got a little edge there. Wesley Del Val. Is Wesley for real? That's the question. Dalval look like just because they lo lost uh, Darden, it, they could just keep on rolling. Ultimately, they lost a lot on offense. It, it's not changing. It doesn't look like. At least that Kane game showed us that much. And UW Oshkosh, we call it the West. I guess, I guess we could call it Central America, uh, Central USA, I should say. Uh, at Salisbury, uh, Saturday noontime. So. Two games in the NJAC, which involve West Region rivals or teams. Yeah. I guess it can't be a rival. These are like really. playoff games, basically. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, this is this is a major league week two kind of stuff. This is normally would be like round one or round two type of NCAA game. So this is pretty cool. Even George Fox, who's kind of flirted with the the top twenty five, which I think honestly, it's one of those situations where. It's kind of like in the. It's kind of like with Mary Harden Baylor and Harden Simmons. I mean, Simmons can't really keep up with Harden with with uh, UMHB, but they play them sort of close because they're they're rivals. They get ranked, but are they that good? Now we get to actually see a team from a different conference come out to the East and really, you know, if they if they blow it out for then hey, I'll have a whole new respect for the NWC. But until then, I'm, I'm like, the jury's out. You said different conference, so let's say different region, actually. Uh, and yeah, exactly. Sydney yeah, at Christopher Newport is a southeast uh, matchup. So another one right there of an interregional yeah. uh, matchup. Uh, Mac-wise, uh, hey, probably the cream of the crop when you look at it. Seven and four. This is a conference that we've picked on quite a bit over the last year, let's say. And uh, sure. Del Val, LTU, Florham, Stevenson, Alvernia, Wilkes, Kings, and Widener all with wins. That Widener win might be the most impressive of the batch because of the quality yeah. of the opponent we saw there. Yeah, but that's true. 
uh, Widener at Lycoming is always a good game, always a good game. Yeah. And so I, I just don't see it as uh, being a gimme for Widener, especially on the road. Uh, we talked about Wesley Delval. Uh, Stevenson, uh, Bridgewater at Stevenson. It's an interesting uh, matchup. I don't know which way to really point people in that one because that's another, you know, let's say cross regional scenario. It's Bridgewater, I believe, Bridgewater VA, correct? Uh, yes, of Virginia, and not Bridgewater so, MA, but yes, VA. And I, but I do like the Mustangs in this one. I think that they, they're they're sort of my potential favorites in the MAC. We'll see how that pans out, but this is going to be a good test for them, for sure. Yeah, Albright and Mary Harden-Baylor, we heard about some, some some suspensions that may have occurred throughout the spring and fall, not just the fall. We saw some tweets about that. We went to our sources. Yeah. They said there may have been one episode for a uh, suspension from a fall uh, perspective for one player or so, and then other things happened in the spring that we did know about already. And so Mary Harden-Baylor will be playing with some players suspended. Albright... Flying in, hey, uh-huh. ninety-one to seven last year, my friend. Uh, they're coming back for more to see if they can uh, right the ship at least somewhat here, comparatively compared to last year. Yeah, probably not against this defense, but I, I will say this: I mean, unfortunately, when you're talking about eighteen and nineteen-year-olds with every team out of the two hundred and fifty in Division Three, there are kids that get suspended from every team every season, every year. The only reason why we talk about UMHB is because they're defending national champs. And, you know, well, at the end two, of the two day. Reasons, two reasons. That and Fredenberg actually runs a tighter ship than most uh, when it comes down true. to it. So he, he does not fear suspending players for even more minor things or what we can tell compared to some other schools. Not to say that people are letting, you know, all hell break loose on campuses, but some might have a little tendency to be like, eh, okay, they're 18, 19 year olds. Let's deal with it internally. Fredenberg will actually spend them and let you know it. And it doesn't matter if it's national championship or week one, ultimately. So give them credit. That's the way he it's got to be. That. That's got to be. Yep. A, yeah, that's good. That's what you got to do. Absolutely. Hey, uh, NESCAC uh, didn't play any games. Let's uh, talk about the fact that Trinity Tufts coming up uh, for the defending champs, Trinity. Uh, Williams and Middlebury is a very good week one game. Go ahead. So I will say this. Fans of D3 may not realize this, but this is the first time these matchups have happened in week one of the NESCAC in about 20-something years, like back to even before, well, maybe 30 years when even before I was in college. <laughs> it, was a long, it was a long time ago. I talked to Coach Devaney from Trinity over the offseason, and he's like, we've opened up with Bates every year since – I mean, I, he played at Trinity. He's been a coach at Trinity for – 15, 20 plus, you know, close to 20 seasons. And for the first time ever, the Bantams are going to play Tufts on the first weekend. And Tufts is actually a tough opening matchup. Uh, the Jumbos have been a, a solid program, kind of moving up the ranks, sort of knocking on the door to the top two or three. And so all of a sudden, a lot of these traditional, you know, they, they, they this conference has been used to seeing the same schedule for a long time totally thrown out the window. Last season, they added the ninth game. This year, it's the rotating schedule. And it's going to make things interesting because that sort of every year, uh, this is how we do it, is going to completely change. May it totally affect the conference? Maybe not. We'll see. It'll be interesting how to see how it goes in the next couple of weeks. I like some key shuffling, as long as you don't t- touch the real key rivalries and where they place yeah. the season. 
that that's where I, I get a little edgy. Uh, Union RPI used to have that happen where they bounce the thing around and it was like, come on, just keep it in one place. Let's not keep doing this. Yeah. Um, that's that. Uh, I, I, there's not much else to add right now to the NESCAC besides we know who the defending champs are and our friend Lou Acarillo has uh, probably a very, very heavy hand with all those rings on it as an assistant coach over at Trinity. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Lou's a strong guy, though. He, he can handle another ring if it comes down to it. Yep. Lou, how you doing? Uh, let's talk about coach interviews. Let's start with our friend Jason Bowen, who uh, was out at WPI for the big win there against Worcester State. And he talked to Coach Robertson about that win and, and the upcoming uh, game this coming week against RPI. The WPI coach, uh, Chris Robertson, after a big win over uh, Worcester State in their opener, 51 um, nothing. The coach got to be happy, crosstown rival uh, on opening night, huge crowd. Uh, it's a pretty good night to be a football coach. Yeah, absolutely. It, this is a great rivalry. Uh, we haven't played Worcester State in a couple of years, so it's nice to bring them back. And I'm very close with their head coach, Coach Cullen. We go back, and you know, for as far back as I can remember, I've been here for about 20 years. These have been some of the greatest football games, nick, nip and tuck, one-score games. And um, you know, I think we were just a little bit more experienced tonight. We're senior heavy with over 30, 30 seniors on the team, and um, you know, I think our experience really helped us kind of. Um, you know, put the tide in, in our favor tonight. Tell me a little bit about the second quarter because you're deep in their territory. You got a couple touchdown leads. You turn the ball over. They get a big play, and, a, and you guys personal foul, but you guys really responded and, and shut them down after that. Yeah, I think our defense has a great mentality. You know, we work hard to keep everything in front of us, limit the big plays, and I think it showed tonight. You know, when you force a team to really string together a long drive, it becomes more difficult to score, and I think tonight was that. We gave up a couple of, you know, 15, 20-yard plays, but for the most part, we made Worcester State earn what they got, and I think that helps us because when you force those teams in the long drives, they're also going to make some mistakes along the way. So defense really stepped up in some critical spots for us tonight. And I really thought you guys controlled both sides of the line of scrimmage, especially our defensive line. I know uh, coming in that you guys felt that that was a strength of your team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our defensive line coach, Coach Holmes, he gets those kids to play so hard for them. And we don't run just one deep. We run two deep with those guys. We rotate three, four, five, six guys in every single game and every single one of those kids are tough ferocious strong competitors that that know the game know the position and um again it really showed tonight against the younger um you know offensive line i think our guys could you know really did a nice job of reestablishing the line of scrimmage and then the great thing is being able to put pressure on the quarterback with three and four man rush is critical too uh, talk a little bit about uh, your senior running backs really stepped up tonight. I know they were banged up last year, and uh, you have to like what you saw out of them tonight. Yeah, for sure. So it's the first time to have Connor Field and Sean McAllen together since 2017. So it's been a long time. And uh, so to have those guys healthy together on the field, it means that we'll be able to do a little bit more. You know, last year we finished six and four, and, and a lot of those games were nip and tuck, one score games where if we could run the football more effectively late in the game, you probably could get away with a W. So to keep those guys healthy, to have them healthy, it's it's such a huge asset to the team. And I think it'll give fits to defenses too, because you're gonna have not just one great tailback, but two on the field that can you know pose a threat, both running the football and catching the football too. But great to have those guys healthy. And I thought your senior quarterback, Julian Nyland, played a, a pretty solid game tonight too, running the offense. And yeah, so he's, you know, he's on when the ball exchanges are good. 
the decisions are right, and we're just efficient in the pass game. You know, we're not a huge five-step team. We're more of a play-action team. And, um, you know, we run the ball to throw the football. And tonight we ran the football, and that opened a lot of things up when they're putting eight in the box. It gives you a one-on-one -on -one matchup, and all he's got to do is put it out there for a slew of really great receivers that we have. Really great job by your special teams. Highlighted, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, in the second quarter, uh, you get your defense gets that stop after maybe the, they get a chance to get back in the football game and you get a big play out of your special teams on the punt game. Yeah, so Austin Pesh, our punt returner, he's been doing it for a few years and he is an electric player for us. If he gets the ball in open space, um, we do a nice job with our wall returns. He'll find that wall and he'll hit that seam and he'll go. And um, He's a skinny, wiry kid, but he's tough. He's tough to take down. And I don't think it surprised anybody on our sideline. He's very capable of doing that. Next week, big rivalry game coming up against a, a tough opponent, a team that went to the quarterfinals, the NCAAs last year. Um, you know, won a game the year before that. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, how you feel going into, or the opportunity you have going into this next football game. Yeah, so, you know, RPI is a huge week for us. And uh, it's a nice rivalry that we have. It's a trophy game for us for the Transit Trophy. Um, you know, it brings something a little bit more, you know, than the other games throughout the year. And, Last year we were in a nip and tuck game with them, but turnovers kind of led to us kind of, um, you know, losing that game. So I think if we can play clean football, we're going to have a chance. And I think tonight it definitely brings us uh, a little bit of confidence. But I told the team, I said, listen, we'll watch the film tomorrow, and then we put it to bed. And you know, RPI week starts probably tomorrow afternoon around three o'clock. So we got to get ready to go. Good to have that extra day too. Absolutely. Nice to open up on the Friday night. All right, coach. Good luck. Thanks, Doug. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much. Always loved some C. Rob uh, discussion. He, uh, what a charismatic guy he is! Uh, you know, he, he's yep. just somebody that you can listen to all day long. And uh, you know what? Uh, always has a lot of time to discuss things with us and our correspondent in this case, Jason Bowen. So we really appreciate yep. him. Uh, let's uh, go. Let's move over to the Empire Eight and Coach Fagiano, who I didn't realize I was there. Yeah, look, I, I don't exactly <laughs> hold a sign saying "Hi, I'm here" uh, to these coaches, but. Uh, <laughs> Come on, you know, you got to keep up, you know, you can't just, you know. You gotta, so he's walking up to the tent. He's walking up to the tent because it started pouring out there after that game was done. And they had a tent up and I'm like, hey, I'm coming in there. And they're like, oh, well, yeah, I'm like, no, no, I'm coming in there. Trust me. I've got, uh, you know, equipment here and everything. So Fagiano starts walking down, walking down. He's like, I think I know that guy. He's like, hey, Deets Razor. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> So wait a minute. Can you tell me one thing real quick, Frank? Like, what are what are riggies and green? What what is okay. this? Chicken riggies is uh, rigatoni's with chicken uh, with that's the it, sauce. It. It's not really a true marinara yeah. sauce. It's like a little cream marinara sauce. It's really good. Uh, Utica greens are greens like you know, a nest uh, they call it, but with a little bit of spiciness to it. Uh, so. Uh, it's greens and beans with a little bit extra garlic and uh, spice to it. So those are uh, the dishes that you may have seen referenced in Twitter. I did not get to have any because I got there so late. I had to get to the game, and then everything's closed at that point. Uh, so uh, let's uh, see Coach Vagiano talk about the big win against St. Lawrence and about the Buffalo State game upcoming. You might not hear much over some of the rain because it started coming down during this interview. Yeah. Coach, 40 to 14 victory. It seemed pretty easy in the first half. St. Lawrence didn't seem to really 
have that momentum your team did in the first half, and then you had to keep them from coming back in the second half. Take me through the game flow overall on this game. How did you feel coming out, and what did you see in your team in that first half especially? I think one of the big things is that their quarterback's very good. You know, and he had a great year for them last year and a great year in the Liberty League, and he showed that throughout the game. You know, they, they moved the ball through the pass for the most part. And I think the big the big tell in the first half, you know, is uh, us being able to run the ball and our two two defensive touchdowns. That's pretty wild. You know, that's something that we emphasize. I give a lot of credit to, to Coach Buff and our, our DC. And we practice scoring on defense every week, multiple times a week, all training camp. That's something that we take pride in. Last year we had eight defensive touchdowns, and to start the season with two was pretty wild. So I think that really takes the, the wind out of a team's sails in the, in the first half. You're they're, a, they're, a good, they're a good offensive team. You're on a pace for 20 then, basically, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. I don't know about that. Coach, um, the last few games of the season you win last year, yeah, you put up a decent fight against Brock for that. So four out of five games you win last year. Your team gains momentum as the rain does uh, behind us right now. <laughs> and what do they take away from last year and gain basically to start this year with that? Well, any strong team, it's your senior leadership. We have 32 seniors, you know, and, and, and uh, they really welcomed our, our freshman recruiting class, which was very strong after the bowl win. So we have program momentum right now. And uh, as much youth as we have, we had a lot of guys out here that this was their first varsity reps. We have a, we have a, a senior group, and it showed today. Well, the volume's going to be a little high for us right now, but I'm going <laughs> to ask you next week, Buffalo State, tell me what you think you're going to see in that game. Well, you know, I, I haven't watched Buffalo State this year. I know they got a new starting quarterback, new head football coach. I saw, I saw the Fisher score. He's got a lot of film to watch. It's good now. We, it's always tough in the first game because you don't know what they're going to do. You know, if they're a new team, at least Buffalo State, we got that Fisher film to watch and use that moving forward. But you're glad this weather wasn't out there during the game itself. You know, we just you know you, you look up up top and say you know can it hold off tonight? We had a great night. This may have been one of our highest attendance crowds. Uh, we haven't had a home night game in a couple of years. It was a great atmosphere for the Orange out tonight. Coach, congratulations, one zero, nine to go. Didn't know you were going to be here. Thanks for being here. Thank you, sir. All right, thanks. Finally. Uh... We got one for me, one from Jason Bowen coming up because we have a matchup between DelVal and Wesley coming up in week two. And we'll start with the DelVal uh, interview with Coach Greco, who, uh, look, he, he's one of those guys that is short on words, but you can tell he loves his team, loves his game, trusts his team. And we'll let him yeah. talk uh, or speak for himself here after that big win at Kane on Friday. Coach Greco, 37-7 victory. Uh, the shutout almost uh, was held up there toward the end uh, as Sarah gets a touchdown, but your defense overall played marvelous, marvelously. Uh, after that goal line stand by Kane, they go get the safety, at least the nine total points. What was the game flow like for you, especially in that first quarter? What were you telling your team? I think with us, we just, we just try to play football and, and, and try to do it our way, and that's aggressive and attack. And defensively, we did that, you know, for most of the night tonight. And I'm proud of that group. Uh, they lived up to the expectation that, that we try to do, you know, we try to live by here. Obviously, you lost some players on offense coming to the season. Did you kind of go to the defense in the offseason and say, guys, you need to play up to a higher standard even to make sure that the offense matures and gets to the point where they were last year? I, I don't, as a staff, I don't think we go to the defense and ask them. I think they know that there's a standard that needs to be set and they want to live up to that and exceed it. And as a group, uh, as a team, you know, we're 32 seniors back and we're 37 juniors. So. You know, with experience is expectation. Expectations are, are, are high. Fontana, six for eight for 200, 205 yards in the air, 90 yards on the ground. Did you see that coming from him tonight? I mean, obviously he's had experience. 
at DelVal, but to have this start and have that, those numbers. Yeah, I expect it from Anthony. I think he's a uh, – we played two tonight. We played two because Bohannon deserves it because he's going to be a heck of a quarterback too. And, and Anthony Anthony can do some really good things. And um, as the game went on, I felt like, uh, you know, he settled in a little bit too and, and made some plays. And he's a leader, and uh, he sets the tone every day with his work ethic. Now here's the typical coach trap question. So here we go. Wesley next week. If your team plays the way they played tonight against Kane, can they beat Wesley next week? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, yeah, we just try to try to work hard every day. West, West is an elite program. Uh, total respect for Wesley and the coaches there and the players. So we're just going to try to show up and do the best we can. A little rain getting out of our screen here, so I'm going to let you go into the locker room, but I'll say congratulations. Big Thank win tonight. Much. Thank you. Thank you. Point counterpoint time now. Chip Knapp talked to Jason Bowen after that 69-0 win over Franklin Pierce on Saturday. And uh, obviously this game was uh, definitely in view for his team, but they did not let him down and look too far ahead. They took care of business Saturday, but obviously Wesley DelVal is a marquee game every year. Here it is. Yep. All right, we're here with Wesley College head coach. Chip Knapp after a 69 uh, nothing victory over Franklin uh, Pierce here in southern New Hampshire. And uh, Chip, you got to be happy with how the team played today. You guys really checked the, all the boxes, offense, defense, special teams. Yeah, it was kind of an unusual game when you play a team that's never had an NCAA game, played an NCAA game before and uh, not having any film, really not knowing a lot about them and uh, going in with the idea that we had to execute what we can do and then see how it worked that works out on the field. and. And uh, I feel like we did that today. Our special teams, defense, and offense all did did what we coached them this week, and uh, you know the results uh, showed up on the field. So we're real happy with uh, you know what happened today. I guess the biggest question mark coming in uh, to today's game was the quarterback situation. Uh, you still hadn't settled on either uh, John Mullen or David Morocco, uh, but you got good performances out of both those guys today. Yeah, they both of them, you know, played very well. You know, Dave uh, threw four touchdowns. John didn't quite get the opportunity to throw the ball in in those situations, but they both executed and they both uh, made plays when they had to, and they looked good. And so, you know, that that battle is going to continue, and uh, you know, the, the competition is going to make them better, and and we look forward to seeing how that plays out. Nearly 300 uh, yards of rushing today, but nobody really over even 75 yards. So you spread the ball around. But uh, talk a little bit about E.J. Lee, who was your leading rusher, and uh, and how he's been going forward here. Uh, you know, a senior, a guy with nearly 3,000 year career yards. Yeah, when E.J.'s as good as it gets, and uh, when he's playing, we, we feel uh, very confident, and that we can do anything in the run game. He's he's a uh, playmaker, is hard to tackle. He doesn't need a whole lot of uh, blocking to make plays, and so. You know, having him uh, gives us a lot of confidence in, in what we can do offensively, but also the guys behind him have played well. We had uh, we have a we have a whole uh, stable of running backs that uh, you know are still uh, competing and, and uh, the rotation is working itself out. But we have a lot of confidence in uh, in the guys behind him too, and uh, it showed today. They they all did a oh ran the ball well, made plays uh, you know uh, when they had to. Um, tell us a little bit. It looked like you made a concerted effort to get the ball to your uh, senior receiver, Ruhan Pill. Twelve catches in the first half for over uh, 100 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, Ruhan is, uh, we like to say, is a man amongst boys, and, and he's at the point in his career where he just loves playing football. Uh, it's come out in the preseason. We've named him captain. You know, he's a team leader. 
and uh, he wants the ball. And, and uh, when he when we get him the ball, good things happen. So that we're going to continue to get him the ball, and uh, you know we're looking forward to seeing what he can do. You know, as the season progresses, I expect big things from uh, Ruhan. Defensively, a dominating outfit or afternoon. Uh, just three first downs, and uh, Coach Bottleri. Uh, really doing a nice job as the defensive coordinator and uh, a little bit of scheme change maybe a little bit from last year but uh, you guys seem to pick it up well. Yeah, uh, Coach Bottleri, he's a great coach and we're seeing the results of his system kind of taking hold. Our guys have had, a, had some time to learn it and process it and, and, uh, and do it out there on the field and, and what we saw today uh, was as a result of that. And, uh, you know, as as we can, as a defense is going to be the strength of our team, and I, I believe, and and as they play more, and as we uh, get even more comfortable with with what we're doing out there, I think, uh, you know, our, our defense is going to be uh, tough to handle this year. And lastly, you go on the the road next week uh, to a ranked team, Delaware Valley. Uh, a lot of history and rivalry between these two teams in recent years, in the last decade or so. Uh, what do you see as you look forward to that? Well, they're a great program, and it's always been a it's always been a tough game, no matter what the uh, rankings or, any, or or the records. And uh, so we look forward to it. Our guys, uh, you know, it's a game we, we look to every year. It is a is a big game for us, and you know we're looking forward to this Saturday. And I think it's going to be a great game. And so uh, you know we're going to be prepared and be ready to go. All right. Thanks, Coach Knapp. Good job. Thank you. So you got two coaches, to me, a little bit different style to them in terms of Greco and uh, Knapp. Uh, you know, Knapp is no Mike Drass in terms of the larger-than-life approach, but he obviously got a lot of uh, his polish from Mike Drass when they coached with, you, with each other over the years. Uh, you know, like Chip Knapp a lot, like Coach Greco a lot. This is going to be a great matchup. As we close the show, who do you give the edge to as a preview to our prediction show on uh, Friday or Thursday of this week? Well, if you asked me this last year, I would have said Wesley just because the NJAC was doing so well. But after week one, apparently the NJAC's not doing so great. So maybe the MAC is back. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's hard to tell because the, the matchups were against teams that both Del Val and Wesley were so well above, you couldn't really – tell but I, I know from speaking to the coach Knapp and in, in, in the offseason that this defense is supposed to be something special for Wesley and I obviously the defense that you saw that Delval brought to New Jersey was pretty special too so I think it's going to be one of those classic Delval Wesley matchups that's going to come down to like a safety or a field goal or some kind of crazy turnover late in the game where the offense is just going to kind of make a mistake late and the defense is going to make a play. So it's kind of a pick em game, but I'll give a slight edge to the Wolverines because I feel like after last year, the six and four with the, you know, four losses by five points, the Wolverines feel like they have more to prove. And I think they're going to try to bring it to the Aggies. I'll tell you who I'll pick later in the week. Uh, by the way, uh, I uh, got a lot of ribbing by the Del Val guys about saying it would be a close game against Kane. I did not say they'd win Kane, okay? I said it would be a close game. And I heard in the background as Coach Greco was coming up to me, there's Frank! I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. And they're like, hey, Frank, you're real close. Yep. I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) Can't hide anywhere now. I'm in the open field. But uh, they read. They read and listen to the things we say. So uh, if you want to hear who we're picking, uh, both of us, uh, on a few of these games, or maybe one per conference we'll pick, 
Uh, tune in on Thursday. Player interviews coming up between that uh, from the, these various games. We like to highlight the players separately because we know you get a lot of value out of those interviews uh, as uh, fans, yeah. parents, etc. So tune in for that. Sorry we went long in this show, folks, but look, you, with this many games, we had to. It's week one. Uh, we try to tighten this up to under an hour, uh, the host chat show each week. So stay tuned. And remember, we are on audio as well. If you couldn't watch or can't watch an entire episode, you can listen to it on iTunes. JB, until the next show, we'll see you later.